1: and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back
2: Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find me on Twitter, at Dalton underscore Trigg. Uh, You can find all of my work at Uh, DallasBasketball.com. You can follow the pod account, too, if you'd like to, at Mavs on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and be sure to follow Dallas Basketball, dot com's facebook page as well uh we've got content churning 24 seven. uh today i have a special guest uh newly minted uh editor and writer at dallasbasketball.com uh we talked with him about you know joining the the team a few times over the last year or so uh, and we finally got him to join us here recently it's my guy michael mulford uh, formerly with uh, Dallas Fanatic, so he has similar roots uh, that I do. I, I started out when uh, when Michael Lark had it, and it was Mavs Fanatic back in the day. I uh, started out there and then eventually made my way to Mavs Moneyball and then uh, eventually signed on with Fish. So we have something in common there, Molf, uh, but I'm, I'm super happy to have you here. Uh, y'all be sure to go follow him on Twitter, at the Moth. M-U-L-F. Uh but Moff, what's up, man? How how you feeling today?
1: What's up, man? Yeah, long time coming. Uh, I know we've chatted over the years. Um, but uh, you know, happy to be here, happy to be working with you and fish and grant and everyone uh here at, at dallasbasketball.com and, and uh ready 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 to cover the maps.
2: Yeah, and I mean look, this I I go through uh, a lot of what what I call tryout periods uh you know where people people join and we have this you know week or so and see if it fits and everything and uh i honestly what you know what, me and uh fish we had talked about it like we were just planning to go you know the rest of the year if if nothing opened up uh immediately we were just going to go the rest of the year and not you know not add anybody but you know when when right. this came up it was just like you know we we're, we're going to do this this is an exception because you know you're probably going to fit in like a glove and so far uh, I I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I think it's a seamless fit, and I'm I'm glad to have you on the team.
1: Yeah, man, it's it's definitely been seamless, like you said. Um, you know, happy to be here, and uh, yeah, man.
2: Well, look, we're gonna just jump right into uh, Mavs content here. Uh, the the game tonight against the Utah Jazz, the surprising Utah Jazz. Uh, I've mentioned it a few times on previous pods, but you know they're they're six and two right now. Uh, Will Hardy just has those guys, you know, they don't, they don't really have a superstar, although Laurie Markkinen is, you know, approaching that level uh, averaging 21 points per game. He's been amazing for them, but they're just really well balanced across the board. Uh, They're getting contributions from, you know, pretty much all of their starters and a lot of people on their bench. And uh, they, they seem to have early chemistry, uh, it's just – it's a really good, feel-good situation for Utah right now after so many people thought they were going to pull the plug and just tank this year. Uh That hasn't been the case so far. And instead of having an easy win like we might have, you know, thought would happen uh, when the schedule came out before the season started, uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Mavs tonight, especially if they can't figure out how to get off to better starts, you know, with – uh. With JaVale McGee starting, so uh, I guess my first question for you, Moth, is what What are some of the biggest things you're looking forward to tonight? And uh, I mean, are you with me there that this is going to be more challenging than people realize for the Mavs?
1: Yeah, I mean, with the Jazz, they just looking at their roster, it's it's really fascinating. Just they have so many just irrational confidence chuckers and. You got Clarkson and Malik Beasley and Colin Sexton and THT, just a bunch of dudes who who think that they're the best player on the floor every time they they step out there. Um, and like you said, you know, Laurie Bird, he's looking like you know young Dirk out there. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. he's he, he's come off his his Euro basket run and and he's really um, you know taking his game to the next level. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, getting off to a fast start tonight is, is crucial for the Mavs because. Even though, you know, everyone kind of booked the the Jazz as, you know, the front runner to try to land uh, Victor Wimbanyama in the draft next year, you know, that's from the front office's perspective. You know, these guys on the Jazz roster, they don't care about a draft pick next year when half of these dudes won't even be on the team next year. So, you know, you got a bunch of guys on the Jazz who know that, you know, everyone's kind of looking down upon them, you know, across the league and you know, media and fans. And I mean, they, they're coming out there and they're playing with pride and they're playing with, you know, a lot of heart and effort. And, uh, you know, they're, they're six and two for, you know, for a reason. And uh, they're not to be, you know, um, looked down upon. Uh, The jazz are playing really good basketball.
2: And I'm not saying that this, this level of play that they're currently at can be sustained for the entire season. Right. You know, if, if, if it does, then, you know, more power to them. But, as of right now as things stand what a nut punch to the Minnesota Timberwolves that they're having the struggles they're having to start this Man. season and All gave up <laughs> gave up the farm for Rudy Gobert and you know the the Jazz also traded Donovan Mitchell and here they are you know not even skipping a beat you know I I'd argue that you know they're starting off this year even better uh than they did last year with uh with both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert when the vibes weren't weren't great in that situation. So, I mean, good, good for them. Danny Ainge is a wizard. He always finds a way to, uh, to, to turn franchises around. So (laughs) (laughs) good for him. And he still might add some more draft picks to his stockpile, you know, depending on how the, uh, the rest of the first half of this season goes and you know what he can get by the trade deadline. But, um, uh, honestly,
1: honestly for the jazz, you know, everyone expected them to be one of the worst teams in the league, but, This might honestly work in Danny Ainge's favor, having all these guys play good basketball to start the season. You know, someone like Mark. Absolutely. Someone like Mark and his stock is up. You know, Olenek, Malik Beasley. These guys have played good basketball to start the season to where, you know, they're going to have the the Jazz going to have more offers for these guys, you know, come trade deadline. Um, And, yeah, with and I guess tonight the biggest thing outside of giving off getting off to a big start for the mavs is defending the three. uh the jazz shoot the second most threes per game. um they shoot at a pretty high clip too. uh we right, kind of right in the middle of the league, but yeah, defending the three with with a, bun- a bunch of these guys like Clarkson and Beasley and um Olinick, guys who shoot the the three at a pretty high clip will be crucial for the mavs wings uh defending the perimeter tonight.
2: Yeah, and I mean, look, I was going through the uh the box score of their, their last game against the Grizzlies. They've beaten the Grizzlies in back-to-back games now. Yeah. yeah. And you look on the bench and, you know, Malik Beasley scoring double digit points off the bench. You got uh, Horton Tucker who they got from the Lakers in that Patrick Beverly trade. Who's, you know, I don't know. I don't think his percentages are great, but he's still playing well for them off the bench. In my opinion, you got Colin Sexton coming off the bench. I mean, this team has a lot of talent. I mean, they're they're really yeah, – I, I, I know they were overlooked, but, you know, maybe they shouldn't have been. <laughs> maybe people just got so caught up in those big trades and, you know, assuming they were going to tank, but they didn't, you know, look at the full picture of, of how deep uh, the roster is, even though they don't have a, you know, a Luka Doncic-level star on their team. But, uh, you know, speaking of Luka – He tied Michael Jordan's uh, record for, you know, starting the season off six consecutive games. Uh, Well, I don't know if that's actually the record, but it was the last time this ever happened was in 1986. Michael Jordan started the season off for the Bulls, uh, scoring 30-plus in each of the first six games. He ended up going on to average 37 points a game that season. Uh, Luka has done that six games in a row. He'll try to pass MJ. Tonight, if he can get to thirty plus, obviously he he would much rather take the W than the points. But if he gets both, you know, it's a double win. What are you expecting from Luca tonight? Uh, me and my uh, my new co-host Drew Johnson, uh, we've talked about it a few times over the last few pods about how we're concerned with uh, Luca's usage rate uh, and you know if it's sustainable this level of play. I think the level of play for Luca right now is sustainable
3: yeah.
2: Uh, over the course of the season, just because I feel like he's doing it so easily. Uh, but I don't know if that's necessarily what you want uh, for the rest of this season, because when you get to the postseason, I mean, these guys are human beings. Eventually there's going to be some fatigue set in if he doesn't get a little bit more help along the way. So I guess my, it's a two part question here. One, uh, what do you expect from Luca tonight against the jazz and two, uh, do you think what he's doing is sustainable for the rest of this year?
1: Uh, for tonight, I I see a lot of the same of what we've we've seen so far this season. Um, Luca's really on a roll. He's being aggressive. He's shooting like sixty five percent from two um, and nearly eighty percent from the free throw line. So, I think I'd like to see him continue that progression towards the basket. Um, whether that's attacking on his own and looking for his own shot at the rim. Or attacking to kick out to to guys like, you know, Bollock and and Timmy and, and Dodo to get those guys more more in a groove uh from outside. They've all kind of started slow um so far this season. And for Luca, you know, his I know you know everyone loves the setback when it's falling. But so far this season it hasn't been falling. He's shooting I think below twenty five percent from three. Um, yeah, I
2: think I think he's at twenty hold on, I'm right here at it. He is at twenty-two point six percent on threes this year so far. Which is crazy. You know, he's averaging thirty-six point seven a game yeah. and thirty-six point seven. So literally a point per minute right now. And yet he's shooting so horribly from three. Like what would we be watching right now if he was actually if he was just hitting like thirty percent from three?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean he'd be he'd be north of forty points a game. Um I mean, I think long term wise, you know. This isn't sustainable, I don't think. Um, and I don't think Luca or the team, you know, want him to have this high of a usage, um, and especially with him coming off of, you know, playing in Eurobasket. So he's, you know, he came into the season in shape, obviously from playing all summer, but, you know, he still had those, those early miles on him, which, you know, most guys don't have. Um, so I think in due time, you know, guys are going to, you know, get more in a groove like Timmy and, and Spencer and, um, you know, fingers crossed Christian Wood gets some more playing time and gets the ball in his hands a little more, uh, to kind of take that load off of Luca. So he's not, you know, having some crazy, you know, historic usage.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's weird, you know, somebody, uh, uh, my guy Glenn on Twitter, I, I don't know his last name, but I, I follow him on Twitter. He tweeted out something earlier today. Uh, that he thought Luca was doing a good job of getting uh, wood involved in the preseason in the first three games, and that they've kind of gotten away from that here in the last last three games. And he asked the question, "Do you blame Luca or Kid or both?" Uh, and my answer was, you know, I, I think it mostly goes on Kid uh, for how strict he is with his rotations, uh, because you know if you look at the You look at the first game against Phoenix. I feel like if he's not just dead set on playing Wood a certain amount of minutes and rides the hot hand with him, you know, the Mavs probably end up winning that game. Uh, And then you look at the fifth game, the OKC meltdown, where they were up 16 with less than four minutes left. Uh, You know, Josh Green made a significant impact in that game. And if if he leaves that group in there – which I mean, I know people had a lot of gripes about Rick Carlisle, but you know, that was one of the things that Rick was good about. When when certain lineups had it going, had it rolling, you know, he might play JJ Barea forty minutes in a game if yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if that lineup's working. So uh, you know, if if he if he doesn't stay so strict with his rotations in those two games and he just keeps going with what's working, the Mavs are likely five and one right now. And we're not even having this discussion about, you know, is Luca getting wood involved enough? Um, But, you know, as far as the, I mean, I I do think the team in general needs to look for wood more because in that last game against the magic uh, and I'm sure you probably noticed it too, but, you know, uh, especially when Luca wasn't out there on the floor and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, was out there with Christian Wood. I mean, every time THJ gets the ball, you know he's going for his own shot. I mean, he, oh. he there were multiple opportunities where he could have, you know, gotten it to Wood uh, in, in favorable matchups for Wood offensively, and it just didn't happen. Uh, and that's not really – I mean, t- uh, THJ ended up with, like, 20 plus points, but he shot five of 15 from the field. (laughs) You'd like to see him be a little, a little more uh, passive uh, when he's out there with wood, but just looking at this, uh, you know, the, the McGee versus wood situation. I was looking on NBA.com stats and just looking at the, the two man lineups just because I was curious and uh, Luca and Wood have shared the floor for 93 minutes so far this year through six games and they're a plus thirty-two on the year. Luka and McGee have shared the floor for fifty-eight minutes through five games, and they're a negative eighteen. There's a common denominator there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely uh, that second number definitely speaks to the slow starts.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you look at McGee's individual, you know, advanced stats too, and it, you know, it all lines up. It's, I think this is a this is a too much McGee, not enough Luka plus Seawood. Uh, plus Jason Kidd just not riding, you know, the hot hand. But we, we know how, you know, Jason Kidd, he coached a hell of a year last year. Uh, he, he proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, and he's just, he's just kind of off to a sluggish, I don't want to call it a full, full on sophomore slump, uh, this year, but you know, he's just, he's just having a slower time getting in his, in his groove so far. So hopefully that changes. Uh, I hope there's nothing like,
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I forgot what podcast it was. You probably saw it yesterday, Molf, but he was uh, talking about how he felt like J-Kid. It almost felt like he's trying to break... Christian Wood, like, no, nah, you're just a role player. You know,
1: Right,
2: yeah. You, you know, you might think you're a star-level player, but that's not who you are here. You're going to be a role player, and you're going to stick to this role, yada, yada, yada. I hope that's not the case because, I mean, we saw through those first three games what Wood is capable of doing when he gets the opportunity. Right. Uh, And I just I, – I hope it's more of a situation where they try to pair him with a, with a guy like Maxi, you know, to make up for any – Defensive uh, defen- deficiencies, uh, rather than just not playing him at all because they don't think he's a capable defender. So, I mean, what, what's your situ- what's your thoughts on this Christian Wood situation? You know, is it a, is it an easy situation to manage going forward?
1: Yeah, I think with with kid, he's kind of you know to start the season, he's been kind of stuck in his ways, trying to prove a point. Um, obviously, he's you know, kid's a very you know, just dis- defensive-minded coach, um, and we see that closing games, who's on the floor. You know, it's outside of Luca. It's always going to be Reggie and Dodo and Maxi. You know, that fifth person. You know, might be Wood, might be Timmy, might be might be Spencer. Um, but yeah, I think I think you made a good point with having you know having Wood on the floor with Maxi to close games. Um, you know, I think you just you look at. What Wood has done so far, you know, with the Mavs in such a short stint and such, you know, limited minutes for a guy with his skill set, um, like you know he he just needs to be on the floor, man. I mean, I'm sure Kid sees that, and I'm sure the coaching staff, you know, have their meetings and and say the same thing. You know, for whatever reason, um, you know, I hope, like you said, hopefully, what McMahon said, you know, Kid trying to prove a point and break Wood, um. You know, isn't the point. Obviously, he's in a woods in a contract year. Um, You know, he has, you know, aspirations of of being an all star and and, you know, being, you know, a lot you know bigger, having a bigger role uh, in this league. So um, it's early. um, But, you know, grand scheme of things down the line, you know, when we're in the playoffs, Christian Wood's going to need to be on the floor and he's going to be on need to be on the floor a lot and he's going to be need to be on the floor uh in crunch time
2: there's a lot of speculation about you know whether chris christian wood is truly content with this role because i mean he said all the right things he's, yeah he uh, has said all the right things yeah i mean he he's been a he's been a trooper i mean uh, there has been no sign from him thus far that You know, what he's saying is is false, and he's just trying to, you know, put up a front, and he's really discontent uh, with that role. So, I mean, I almost wonder if it's a situation where they're like, okay, do what you can do in this limited role, limited minutes. We're not going to just like overbear you uh, Mm -hmm. with, with minutes right now. But it's like, okay, when we get to the playoffs, when JaVel McGee is completely unplayable, and honestly, he's kind of been unplayable right now.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, but you know, when you when we get to the playoffs, it's like, okay, we're we're just gonna completely unleash you. You'll be rested. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's the hope, or you know, maybe that's what they're trying to uh uh convey to him. I don't know. I don't know what the situation I I think they should just play him a little bit more. You know, JaVale McGee's averaging, what, 12 minutes a game? So, I mean, you could – I mean, I know you can't just bench one of your main uh, free agency signings. Hopefully he can he can try to pick it up. Uh, but, you know, he's 34 years old. If it just doesn't work out, that's 12 minutes a game that you can – you know, you could split the mm-hmm. difference there and give six, yeah. six more minutes to Wood, six more minutes to Josh Green. And there you go. Yep. So,
1: And, and well, I, I tweeted this out a few days ago. Just with JaVale, it's like, you know, you don't want to call for anyone's job, you know, this soon in the season, especially for a guy that just got here. But, like, at this point, with the way JaVale is playing um, and being played off the floor, I mean, he's looking like a, a future just salary filler in a trade, whether that comes, you know, this February or in the off season or whatever, but it's just, it doesn't look promising. Um, especially for a guy who's, you know, already 34 years old.
2: Yeah. Yeah. 34 years old. And then, you know, he'll be 36 when he starts his, you know, the last year of this contract he signed. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of an odd signing when, when it happened, I kind of talked myself into it, you know. The more I looked into his his stats last year, and then there was a stretch with Phoenix. Uh, I think they were like twelve and five with him as a starter last year, and he played really well uh, in DeAndre Ayton's absence. So, you know, I was I was I kept thinking to myself, well, you know, this can work, uh, but you know, maybe maybe it's just a case of his, uh, you know, him being a little bit older guy. Uh, you know, by NBA standards, at least, and maybe it just maybe it's just going to take him a little bit longer, you know, to get get going. You know, uh,
1: yeah, and I think Mavs fans were just kind of tired of of Dwight Powell being a starter for the Mavs year after year.
2: Man, Powell's been amazing,
1: and Powell's and pa- I mean Powell's such a trooper; like he is the ultimate teammate. So when he's gotten, you know, he's gotten like three dmpcd is already this year but when his number is called he's ready and he gives 110 percent effort him and luca have amazing chemistry so it's like after all that said by Mavs fans about powell over the years you look at him, you look at Mavs twitter now and they are calling for powell to be on the floor that's how that's how sour people are to to javel already
2: yeah, and I mean, one thing that you're always going to get with Dwight Powell, no matter what, you know, even though his arms might not be long enough to grab every rebound or block every shot or, you know, whatever, what you're going to always get with Powell is effort. That That's never in question. He's going to bring energy. He has an instant chemistry with Luka. It seems like the only big that, you know, Luka can consistently throw lobs to perfectly <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain their chemistry. They just yeah. they just have it. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously it's a really, really small sample size, but, you know, I saw somebody post the uh, offensive rating, defensive rating between, you know, Luca and Powell so far this year. And I think offensive rating was getting close to like 130. Defensive rating was like 97. So, uh, you know, that's obviously not sustainable, but that just lets you know how good those two have been uh, when playing together. So far this season, so uh, I hope it works out. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure JaVel is still starting tonight. I haven't I haven't seen the yeah. uh, projected stars, but I'm pretty sure he's still starting tonight. Uh, Christian Wood, he was initially listed as questionable yesterday with a non-COVID illness uh which was kind of weird timing to me cuz you know <laughs> there, there's been some stuff some whispers going on uh you know about the him potentially being discontent with the role and everything despite what he said again you know he said all the right things so i don't know i don't know if there's any merit to that but yeah. uh today they announced that he's probable now so he's he's yeah. more than likely he's playing and there's nothing to worry about there so um Last thing here, Mulf, and then I'll I'll get you out of here, but um, you know, for the most part, the Mavs have been as healthy as you could ask during this opening stretch, aside from uh, Frank Nelakina and Davis Bertans. And not to say that those guys would have a major, major impact anyway, but, you know, they're two capable guys. They're two guys that had their moments during the postseason run. Uh, so you know, anytime you have more options, that's a good thing. I mean, it gives you a better chance to win. If something's not working, you can throw somebody in there. Neil Aquina is a, an elite perimeter defender. Uh, he's really active with his off-ball defense. Bretons, he's a sniper. Uh, you know, he, he didn't look good in Washington last year, but when he made it to Dallas, uh, he he re, regained that three-point marksmanship that we saw from the san antonio days uh so i mean i i don't know what's going on with them you know they they got the uh i think it's nilakina's got the foot effusion and then bertans has a knee effusion and they've been out all season and it's like i don't want to be too pessimistic about it i know when there's like injuries involved and there's fluid and all that you know it, it takes a little bit longer To recover from it but like when you keep seeing the same thing for multiple games and there's no like actual updates it makes me think back to like the the early Seth Curry days during his first stint when they were just like so vague and And he was on the injury report for like two months straight with the same thing and then they're finally just like okay well you know he's having surgery for a stress fracture (laughs) (laughs) so I don't want to I don't want to like I don't want to predict something like that's going to happen, but it just makes me worry. So, I mean, what, what do you think the, the deal is with those two? Do you think we could potentially see them uh, back in action at some point?
1: It's funny because just when you look at the injury report, seeing an effusion is not something you see every day on the report. And I can't think of the last time I've seen a knee or ankle effusion on an injury report, specific, especially two on the same team. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, hopefully it's not, um, a Seth Curry situation where there's more of an underlying issue that, um, the team is being vague about. Um, I will say, I mean, luckily for the Mavs, it's not two guys that are mainstays in the rotation. Um, you know, it's a guy like Frank and, and Davis who definitely have their, their role on the Mavs and you know their their niche role they both do it really well Uh davis shooting and and, Frank and and defending um yeah hope i mean hopefully they're back i mean, I mean like you said it, more options are are better and
2: and um, not just not just for the on court stuff you know i mean obviously if those two are healthy they can provide something for you throughout right. a 82 game regular season but you know for potential trade stuff too i mean Bertans was seen as you know an, an untradable contract until you know met with KP's untradeable untradable contract <laughs> paired <Yeah>. with Dinwiddie's. <laughs> so it's like if, if you have any chance of flipping that, I mean he's got he's got to be healthy and he's got to go out there and you know show you something like he did at the end of last year. So uh, Neil Aquina, not so much because he's on an expiring deal and you know he's he's only making like three four million I think, so that's not as much of a as much of a thing as as Berton showing you something but uh,
1: on the flip side that that could be part of it the Mavs could be being super cautious with these two guys because they know that hey these these two guys are two contracts that we could that could easily be a part of a trade um, you know come February so they could be playing it it smart and um, slow rolling these guys back to the lineup
2: and i also wonder if like the effu- effusion thing because we used to always see it with kp there were so many games where kp would miss and on mm-hmm. the injury report you know they'd list something something soreness and like soreness is not an injury <laughs> like, <laughs> right like, like if if somebody's resting then they're resting but like they'd always put soreness and it make you think like well that's that's not a that's just a symptom that's not a a cause for injury, so it made you—I don't know—it it made me galaxy brain a lot of times when I saw sure, that. So yeah. may, may, maybe a fusion is just a more technical way of saying "or," and they're they're just not going to risk putting them out there. But uh, well, Moth, look, I appreciate it, man. Uh, again, you know, Mavs Jazz tonight. Uh, we're hoping, hoping for the best. It's it's a good challenge for the Mavs after having you know three days off now uh well three days off including today uh and i think i think we're gonna have a good one tonight uh i, I don't know if the mavs are gonna end up winning or not but I, I feel like the effort level is gonna be there they've started off so many games slowly that i think that's gonna be a big emphasis uh and you know hopefully hopefully we get off to a uh a better start tonight than what we've seen in the last week so Molf if i appreciate it man uh you'll have to yep, do it man. again sometime
1: yeah, always, man.
2: All right, that's Michael Mulford. You can find him at Twitter, at the Mulf. Uh Be sure to go follow him if you haven't, haven't already. Uh, again, he is uh, newly minted at DallasBasketball.com. Uh, go check out his work there and the rest of our team uh, on every game day and the days in between. We've got a lot of stuff going on on a daily basis. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good rest of your day, rest of your week. Uh, I'll be back first thing in the morning with uh, the NBA Roundup with all the other games that happen uh, on a nightly basis. And be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Appreciate it, y'all. Y'all have a good one.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.